what's up joe what's up everybody welcome to another edition of sports 360 i'm jeff Fennell, and i'm here with one happy camper by the name of rob duran rob what's up man how you doing jeff not only is this another edition of sports 360 this might be the best one because baseball is back finally <laughs> uh, Baseball man. is back, and my man is happy. Ooh. Yes, I am. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the lockout has ended. Um, players are back in spring training. Uh, games, what do games start? We're, we're we're doing we're recording this on on March sixteenth. I believe games start tomorrow. Is that right? Yes, I think so. Thursday. So games Ooh. are about to begin. Uh, regular season starts uh, April 7th. So baseball is back. There's been a, uh, a frenzy of activity with some big time trades, uh, some big time signings. Yeah, you have to be just ecstatic. Man, I'm on my phone all day these days. I'm just loving the transactions going on, loving to see where the where the guys are signing. And, you know, it's all happening quick because the whole lockout situation, obviously that got resolved. That's why baseball is back. And just to see the movement, the rumors, the fake rumors, the fans excited, the fans disappointed, it's, it's everything. It's beautiful. I love it, man. Now, we're going to get into your Yankees and talk about what they've done so far in some detail. But as, as you look at what has happened so far in terms of the trades and the signings, what are some of the biggest moves that that you identify that, has ta- that have taken place so far? I would have to say a lot of what your team has done, Jeff, the Mets. Um, obviously signing Scherzer, but, you know, bringing in Chris Bassett recently, uh, the other outfielder just signed Marte and Canna, bringing those guys in. They've made a lot of moves. They're not afraid, you know, to spend the money and bring that roster up to a talent level that we want to see a New York team at, right? So they're out there making moves. They're seeing the, their division, and they're saying, we're going for this. And <laughs> And don't tell me that Steve Cohen is not looking over across the bridge, across the train at the at the Yankees and saying, I'm trying to take over New York now. But what the Mets have done, I'll tell you, it's impressive, man. So you should be very happy. Well, the Bassett signing or the trade uh, for Chris Bassett, um, starting pitcher with the A's, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Yeah. Um, that's a big one. It really fortifies their rotation. And some of the other moves you mentioned, you know, they, you know, they, the Mets made those signings um, before the lockout with Marte and with Canna and with obviously with Scherzer. Um, but, you know, following the lockout, I mean, that was a big move for the Mets. But, you know, we've had some other, you know, the Braves in that division have really made some headlines by, you know, uh, trading for Matt Olson, also from the A's, to play first base. And then a day after acquiring him, signing him to a long-term deal, um, which 
at the same time means that the Braves are saying bye-bye to Freddie Freeman. And I have to tell you, coming into the offseason, I did not see that happening. I assumed that Freddie Freeman was returning to Atlanta, but he's not. And and I, for one, am surprised at that. Yeah, and I think it was just last week we were talking about how it just wouldn't look right for Freddie Freeman to wear a different uniform. And here we are, less than a week after, and he's gone. Um, he did his whole goodbye. So obviously, you know, we knew that book was done once they traded for Matt Olson. Um, but it's that's the business side of baseball. And I think the fans of Atlanta and, and fans everywhere, because I think everyone had the same sentiments that they wanted to see Freddie Freeman back with Atlanta. Um, even me as a Yankee fan, you know, the Yankees are technically still rumored to, well, not anymore because they signed Anthony Rizzo, but rumored to get Freddie Freeman. And even I was like, uh, maybe he should just sign with Atlanta. That's kind of where he belonged. But, you know, the Braves made almost a business decision in trading for the younger Matt Olson, giving him the eight-year extension. And listen, it's not like they're losing production because Matt Olson, he's improved every year continuously. And he's a stud. He's a stud first baseman, and he's going to be there for the long term. So um, sad to see Freddie Freeman gone. But I think Atlanta is – they didn't lose much, I guess you can say, in getting Matt Olson. Yeah, Matt, Matt Olson puts up great, great numbers. Um, staying in that division, you know, some two big bats, um, Kyle Schwarber signed by the Phillies and Nelson Cruz signed by the Nationals. To me, those seem, well, we know Nelson Cruz is a DH, but I think <laughs> Schwarber is a DH as well. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, in talking about the end to the lockout and, you know, a new collective bargaining agreement, that obviously is a change uh, in baseball starting this year. And that is the universal DH in both leagues, National League and American League. And we see here now in Schwarber and in Nelson Cruz, two guys who are going to be playing DH for um, for the Phillies. And, and the Nationals, respectively. I think those are some under-the-radar signings that I think could have some real impact on those two clubs. Yeah, I definitely agree. The Nelson Cruz signing was kind of looked over because it happened right before, I think, the Yankees made the trade where they sent Gary Sanchez and, and Urshela over to the Twins. But it was overlooked. But that's a good signing for the Nationals. I think having that presence with Juan Soto there whether he hits behind him or in front of him, I would imagine he'll hit behind Juan Soto. That's great because they're two guys. They're both from the Dominican. And Nelson Cruz, let me tell you, he's in his 40s. I think he's like 41 now. He can still mash. It's not like he's lost any power at all. The dude is still a good, good hitter. And I think he'll help Juan Soto take that next step as being that veteran presence, almost like the, the, the big brother in the clubhouse for him. So I think, you know, as great as Juan Soto is now, and I think, and I said this last year, I think he's maybe the best just like straight raw talent type hitter. He might be the best in the league. And that's over every, over every player, Mike Trout, including Mike Trout. Um, but I think that's a great signing for the Nationals, even if they, you know, we'll see what happens midseason. But I think it's a great uh, signing for them. And then the Schwarber contract with the Phillies, that's a big bat. Like you said, he can play some off. He'll play some first base. I think ultimately he'll be more of a DH, like you said. 
But he, he's another big bat, big lineup presence. We saw what he did with Boston once he went over. I got to see it firsthand, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, that's both good moves in that division. So that division itself is uh, racking up some some power. Right. And it remains to be seen because if you know um, how – it remains to be seen how good the division is going to be because for the 2021 season, everyone was talking about how the NL East was just going to be mm-hmm. a monster division. And it didn't turn out that way, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> all the teams struggled. Um, and, you know, the Braves finally caught a little bit of a groove uh, toward the end of the season, and they rode that right to a World Series championship. Um, but, yeah, certainly some some moves are being made. Um, uh, if we go over to the American League, uh, Matt Chapman going to Toronto. Uh, again, Oakland's just getting rid of everybody, right? So, you know, their uh, stud third baseman, Matt Chapman, another good player, didn't have the best uh, season last year or in in the 2020 shortened season, but certainly, you know, one of the better players in the game as well when he's performing up to his standards. Um, And now he's in Toronto, so that's another big bat, but he's also an excellent third baseman. So, that's a pretty big pickup for a team that lost Marcus Simeon in free agency. Yeah, and you wonder if surrounded by those big bats, the Vlad Guerreros and, and so on, the Bobichettes, if his offensive numbers are not going to go up. Because we saw that with Marcus Simeon too. You know, he elevated himself offensively with that lineup inside, with those guys there. So that may be the case with Chapman, and I'm sure that that's what the Blue Jays are hoping for. Let's surround this guy with some big bats, protect him in the lineup, and let's see his numbers shoot up. And then defensively, like you said, a platinum winner, platinum glove winner. The dude is an absolute beast defensively. So that's a great, great pickup for them. And I do want to point out one trade that happened with Seattle that not a lot of people are talking about too, where they get Jesse Winker and Suarez from Cincinnati, which is another team that's kind of just trading everyone away. But Jesse Winker is another dude who's a stud hitter. The dude can just flat-out rake. So that's another good pickup for a team that just missed out on the playoffs last year. And with Oakland now moving back, obviously, you know, Houston will still be there. We'll see how the Angels shape out. Um, I still think they're missing some pitching, but Seattle was just almost right there last year. And they're adding these bats and these veteran veterans to the lineup. And obviously some pitching, too, with Robbie Ray. That's going to be a team to look out for in that division to win the division against Houston. Right. And and speaking of another team that just missed out was Toronto. You, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and, you know, and Toronto's making moves. Um, and so it's going to really, really be um, interesting. And, and, you know, and, and under the, the new agreement, right, we have expanded playoffs. Yes. Right. So, you know, two extra teams. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, But, yeah, teams are making, you know, some real moves. And, look, there are a lot of players still left. Uh, We still don't know where Correa is going. Freddie Freeman seems as if he's headed to the Los Angeles Dodgers, talking about the rich getting richer if he goes there. Uh, But, you know, Correa is still out there. Trevor Story is still out there. 
Um, you know, we do have Michael Conforto um, is, is out there and some other good players as well. But now let's turn to your Yankees because your Yankees made a couple of moves. Um, signed Anthony Rizzo more recently. Um, but probably, I think, a, a, a really solid baseball trade uh, made by the Yankees involved the often criticized Gary Sanchez, uh, who's now been shipped over to the Minnesota Twins. Um, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, now we got Donaldson over here. We got uh, Isaiah Kaina Falefa, uh, who a lot of people probably don't even know about. But um, what do you think about that trade involving Gary Sanchez and also the signing? Uh, re-signing of Anthony Rizzo? Well, I'll go with Rizzo first. I think I'm not mad about the Rizzo signing. I think he he was solid for us when they traded for him uh, last season. And I think just as a clubhouse guy, and I we kind of talked about it last year, he kind of fit the personality to be in New York. Like he just seemed like a New York kind of guy. Um, so I, I liked the signing. You know, they gave him the two-year deal. I think it was great. Obviously, they weren't that intrigued or that serious about going after Freeman, who was rumored to go to them. Um, so I'm happy with him. He's a good defender, good clubhouse guy, solid bat. And I think he helped out and he will continue to help out Joey Gallo. Um, Cause they spoke about how he helped Gallo get closer to the plate and maybe, maybe cut down on some strikeouts, get some more contact in the swing. So I like bringing him back um, the trade. Uh, so I actually found out about the trade, which is funny because you texted me the details of it. When it once it went down, and I was like, "Man, I hate the trade <laughs> right yeah. off the bat um and I think a lot of it, and I'll be honest, it was emotional, Jeff, because Gary Sanchez has been my favorite of the baby bombers era. Gary Sanchez was my favorite one of the yeah. baby bombers, and as much as he was criticized and stuff, I was like, "No, no, no, he's gonna break out of it. He's gonna be fine, he's gonna be fine, but I think it just got to a point where I think the organization realized, and he realized. We just can't, we're not working out. You know, he needed a change of scenery. And I hope he does great. I hope his defense improves in Minnesota. I hope he he wins MVP, you know, and continues to hit the ball the way he knows how to hit the ball. Um, but from a baseball perspective, once I sat down and I was like, okay, let's see what we really got in, in return. Seeing Josh Donaldson um, at third base. Now we got some more, some more power at third base. Because Gio Urshela was good for a couple of years, but he was steadily declining, and obviously when the Yankees traded for him, he was just known for the glove and then suddenly became a hitter. Josh Donaldson already has that that in him. He's a, he's a decent defender, but power-wise, you know, his biggest concern is injuries. If he can stay healthy, I'm happy with him at, at third base. Um, Kiner Falefa is another guy, like you said, not many people know about him. The dude is a stud defensively. He may not hit too much. Think It's almost like you're getting Gio Urshela right back, just a little bit younger with more potential, I feel like. So I think offensively, he has a much higher ceiling than Gio Urshela if they can, un- if they can tap into that potential. But defensively, now you have somebody at short that you absolutely needed because that was the Yankees' biggest flaw last year was defense, especially up the middle. And now they have that back with Kiner Falefa there at short and then hopefully with Hicks staying healthy in center field. Look, I, I, for all the reasons you stated, again, I thought from a baseball standpoint, it's one of those, it made sense for the Yankees, you know, yeah. to, you know, they, it, it's not splashy, 
necessarily because you know Josh Donaldson has some some miles on him, but he still has the ability to swing a, a good bat. Um, and I just think Gary Sanchez had to move on. You know, yeah. I just think it, it just got to time here in New York where they needed to move on from him. Um, and I think kind of Alefa, um, you know, defensively is going to, you know, really be a good find for the Yankees. So, you know, I, I, I think those th- that trade made sense. I will tell you this. I'm kind of surprised and a little disappointed that the Yankees re-signed Anthony Rizzo. And not because I think Anthony Rizzo is a good player. And I like Anthony Rizzo. I really do. I do think Anthony Rizzo's better days are behind him. Yeah, um, I agree. And I do believe that he has to hit better than he did last year. You know, because when the report on the player always starts with his clubhouse presence, you see, okay, I mm-hmm. get that part, <laughs> but you still need to do some stuff on the field too. And he does bring all the things that you talked And we talked about it last year when he came that he fits New York, that he's a clubhouse guy, he's a winner, he's a communicator, and all those things are good. But I do believe that the Yankees are going to need him to swing a better bat than he did last year. And I think he's capable of doing it, especially in that park, um, you know, with with, with the short uh, right field. Um, But he's going to have to do it, in my opinion. I, I think they need him to be better offensively than he was last year. I definitely agree with that. And listen, he's going to be replacing Luke Voigt, who's no, you know, he's no scrub, as they say. You know, he, the dude can hit, you know, and he hits for some average. He hits for power, obviously. And we'll see what ends up happening with Luke Voigt. There's rumors that they're going to end up trading him uh, because they re-signed Anthony Rizzo. So it's not like he's just walking in there and there was nobody at first base. Like Luke Voigt, he had his injury concerns, but the dude can hit. And you know, he had an attitude about him that was really good, which is actually what Donaldson brings too. It's that that attitude that the Yankees lacked last year as well. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree. Rizzo has to be in there, and not only does he have to help the Joey Gallows, but he also has to produce on his own and be and be the guy that they're re-signing. You know, the, the, he has to be the offensive first baseman that they need. Yeah, and I think he can do it, but but let's let let's see. Um... So listen, I mean, look, there's a lot to be excited about, you know, with the game being back, um, as we said, a lot of moves and we just touched on a few of them. And obviously, you know, in a couple of weeks, right before opening day, we're going to give you the floor so that you can make your predictions for the coming season. And I'm writing it all down <laughs> to see just how <laughs> just how astute you are at, at picking the winners uh of the various divisions playoff teams and all the rest of it so we'll do that in a couple of weeks but one last thing before we leave baseball and that is staying with the with the yankees and also with the mets you know this mandate the COVID mandate that we've been talking about for quite some time as it relates to New York City and, you know, Kyrie Irving, even though it's not about Kyrie Irving, but obviously um, 
you know, he's probably the most prominent New Yorker to date who has been affected by, you know, the COVID uh, workplace mandate that prevents him from playing home games in New York City because he's unvaccinated. We're going to come back to what happened with Kyrie over the weekend in, in, in a second, but sticking with baseball, the Mets and Yankees are also affected by this mandate. So that means unvaccinated Mets and Yankees players cannot play games in New York. Um, So now it's not just about Kyrie Irving. We may soon find some very prominent Mets and Yankees players, if this rule stays in place, who won't be able to play once the season begins. Um, And then, you know, you throw in the rules in Canada that prohibit unvaccinated individuals, in this case players, coming into the country to play. And with the Yankees having the Toronto Blue Jays in their division, um, that could really spell trouble for both clubs. So what are your thoughts about that? Because that is something that could really impact the season. We've seen it happen with the Nets and Kyrie. We may have the Mets and Yankees caught up in this too. Yeah, and that'll be some big losses for both teams because you're talking about, I mean, you look at the Yankees, obviously they play Toronto, you know, I'm not sure how many games are on the schedule with them this year, but 15 plus games against Toronto, you expect half of that to be in Toronto. So you're losing that plus the the 81 at home. Um, If you're a Yankee, if you're a Yankee player, that's huge. That's a big chunk of the season gone um, for some prominent players, whether it's pitchers or hitters, doesn't matter. That's a big chunk of the season gone. And when you're, when you're in a division like the Mets and the Yankees are in, and we spoke about it, they're both powerhouse divisions. You can't afford to lose games over things like this. Um, Injuries, fine. That's part of the game. Um, But this is, this can be huge, man. This can be very big. And I was surprised to be honest that this was in place for MLB because it's played outdoors. So it was a shock to me when I saw the news that it was going to affect um, the Mets and the Yankees considering the circumstances. But yeah, man, this is going to be some tricky stuff and we'll see what happens obviously before opening day rolls around if, if something changes, but this can have some big implications on the season in general in baseball overall. And the, the rule in New York is downright silly. And yeah, I dude. think what we saw over this past weekend where Kyrie Irving attended an NCAA basketball game on Saturday and then uh, was in attendance when the at the Barclays Center when the Nets hosted the Knicks. And it... it you know, Kevin Durant spoke about it after that game, saying that it doesn't make any sense that he can come into the arena, he can sit in the in, in the stands. He he didn't have on a mask, uh, but he but under this rule, he can't play. Um, and we've talked about it before how the rule does not apply to unvaccinated 
visiting players. When when you look at all of this together, you know, him being able to Kyrie able to come into the arena as a spectator sitting side, you know, at you know, at center court, he's able to do that and unvaccinated visiting players are able to actually play. The New York rule makes no sense. And you you have to believe that the Mets, Yankees, and the Nets are engaged right now in heavy-duty lobbying to get this rule changed. Yeah, it it makes absolutely no sense because, like you said, the guy sitting at courtside watching his team play at home, but he can't go out there and play. Yet, like you said, there could be, you know, X amount of visiting players, unvaccinated, that are playing on his home court. And it's like, you know, the fans are there to see Kyrie Irving play in Brooklyn. They're not there to see, you know, whoever visiting player. So it just, it doesn't make any sense. It never did make sense, honestly. And, I, and I'm not sure, and I'm, I'm hoping, I'm really, I really am hoping that this changes, not just before opening day, but also to allow Kyrie to play in the playoffs at home. You know, because for me, it's one thing, the Toronto stuff, I don't mind it because that is a different country. So I don't have an issue with them having their own policy for unvaccinated players. That is what it is. It's a whole different country. But the situation in New York, it's it's mind-boggling. It just, there's no, I don't even know what other words to say. It just doesn't make sense. And I think they should just completely get rid of that, whatever it is, that mandate or that, that those guides, whatever it is, man. They just got to get rid of it. Yeah, and we'll see what happens. I my, my prediction is by opening day, April 7th, the rule will be changed and that would open the door for Kyrie to play in the postseason at the Barclays Center. And I do believe we're going to see him playing games again because I just again, it it the optics are so bad. And I don't know if what we saw over the weekend was orchestrated because not only did Kyrie sit courtside at the Knicks-Nets game, but then he also went into the locker room, which he wasn't Hmm. allowed to do under the rule. And the Nets were fined $50,000. And that started to get me thinking as, as to whether the Nets wanted this all to happen that that they wanted him to be there or you know didn't mind him being there on Saturday and and the fact that he's there on Sunday and then he goes into the locker room because I think all of this together had the effect of showing that this rule really doesn't make sense um yeah and, and it's, listen, it's interesting though no, go ahead. That Eric Adams, did you see Eric Adams when they said, that, you know, what do you think about Kyrie? He said, oh, we can, he can play tomorrow. Get vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, that's a nice man. little quote. That's a nice little quote, but let's see yeah. what happens because I think a lot of pressure is going to be put on to change a rule that I think, as we've been saying, just doesn't just it just doesn't work and it needs to be scrapped it does and even if Kyrie hadn't gone into the locker room after the game ended he's on the court anyway shaking hands with everyone and 
and doing all that. So it's yeah, just right. Eric Adams, get it out of there. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of Kyrie, uh, are you are you kidding me, man? I mean, his last two games, right? He throws up a fifty piece against the Charlotte Hornets, and then last night, you know, um, you know, March fifteenth, sixty against the Orlando Magic. 41 at half. 41 (laughs) at the half, right. He's unbelievable. As an offensive player, he is unbelievable. Um, And, you know, so he's, you know, he's just doing some great things. Um, Kevin Durant scored 53 against the Knicks on Sunday, and Kyrie comes back and scores 60 against the magic in their next game. Um, And we, we talked about this the last time, some of the phenomenal performances, whether it was Tatum or or LeBron who put up another 50 point game, Um, Carl Anthony Towns putting up 60 points. Um, We've really seen again, the individual, um, you know, outbursts by NBA players just continues, man. Um, I mean, it's, it's good to see. It, it really is. Yeah, and you know what's funny? When as these stats are piling up, sixteen four games, fifteen four games, all I hear in my head is you saying last week, nobody plays defense, and I just laughed to myself at the end of every night seeing all these guys dropping fifty and sixty, thinking, man, they really don't play any defense. Jeff was not messing around. Come so. on, man. <laughs> Did you see the score when 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 Cat scored his sixty points? Because uh, Minnesota crazy. beat the Spurs, and I think the score was like one thirty nine to one thirty one or something. Like it was it yeah. was something straight out of the old ABA. I mean, those yeah. are the scores you saw with the red, white, and blue ball, you know. And so it's really yeah, nobody's playing defense these days. Nobody, man. Yeah, that game ended one forty nine to one thirty nine. Wow. Oh, that's what the score was. One one. Look at that. I I, I cheated Minnesota <laughs> out of ten points. One forty nine to one thirty nine. That's insane. And I and I and I believe that was a regulation game. I don't think it went into overtime. No, no overtime. Come on. Just straight four quarters. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Um, but again, the the offensive skill of today's NBA players is really off the charts. But it also, is. too, the rules allow for it, right? I mean, gone are the days of hand checking, gone are the days of hard fouls. You know what I mean? You know, those days are just simply gone. And now, you know, Carl Anthony Towns won the darn three-point shooting contest at the All-Star game, right? I mean, he's a center, and he won a three-point shooting contest. So, you know, you have centers who are shooting threes regularly. The floor is open, and it's spread, and you can't touch guys, and right? So it's prime for scoring. But quite frankly, isn't that what we want to see? And isn't that the problem in baseball, right? that you don't mm. see enough action, you don't see enough scoring, you don't see enough, you know, you, you want to see base hits, you want to see stolen bases, you want to see balls hitting the gap, right? You just don't want to yeah. see home runs. And baseball has turned into a game of walks and home runs and strikeouts, of course. But, you know, the bottom line is, if seeing guys put the ball in the hoop, yeah, 
teams aren't playing defense. But seeing the ball go through the hoop, the way it's going through the hoop now, yeah, I mean, that's what you want to see. You want to see an exciting game. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned it, too, because for the All-Star weekend, so many people are looking forward to the three-point contest now as opposed to the slam dunk yeah. contest. Yeah, And it's like, like I'm glued to the three-point contest just seeing these guys shoot the ball. It's amazing to me, and I love seeing it. And that's what the NBA is about, man. And you can see it even translate into pickup basketball. Everybody's shooting threes now. When back in the day, you know, it was about driving the ball down and all that stuff. Now it's all about the three. Yeah, it really is. So, look, the game is different. It's different now. This is not about, you know, no Jordan rules, you know, where they were, you know, the Pistons were knocking him all over the court and stuff like that. You couldn't <laughs> do treat a player like that now. No. Can you imagine if LeBron James got treated like that? Oof, somebody's going to get suspended for the year. Right. You know, so the game is different and it's, you know, offensively, it's uh, I, I like it. And I don't know some people who do not like the NBA game. They they just simply don't like it. But, you know, for me, I think the players are very, very talented. And uh, when you have good teams that are playing and, and, you know, they have the ball movement, and they have good schemes and things like that. It's it's fun to watch. It really is. It's fun to watch. Um, speaking of fun to watch, I'm having fun watching this. I don't even know what you call it, Rob, but Tom Brady, who now <laughs> is back. Right. So, you know, I, first of all, when he retired, it was like, he retired and it was like, no, he didn't tell Tampa he retired and then he retires. Right. And he gets all his flowers and everything else. And people are saying, and now he's back. His retirement lasted six weeks. Um, look, I will go on record to say it plainly. I'm tired of Tom Brady. I think he needs to go home. What are your thoughts? Are you glad he's back? I've been saying Tom Brady needs to go for about 10 to 15 years now, man. I forgot. He terrorized, I forgot. He terrorized he terrorized my Jets for way too long. Uh, I was glad when he left the Patriots. I don't mind Tom Brady too much at Tampa. He doesn't bother me too much there. He's actually he's actually funny now. He has a yeah. personality. Yes. But listen, man, he retired. Like you said, everyone gave him his flowers. We all posted up about him. All talked about him for weeks, about how great he was. He's the GOAT. And then he pulled a Brett Favre. And came yeah. back. Yeah. I don't like that. You know, I, I don't like when players do that. It's just, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. Because it's like, man, what more do you have to accomplish? You got your seven rings. You've done it with two teams. W like, what's left? You brought your team back from the brink of elimination to almost win. And you probably would have won the Super Bowl if you made it that far this year. What more do you have to prove? What more do you have to do for your legacy? Now you're just, you're just messing around with us at this point. Yeah, and look, I'm, I'm just hoping, you know, it's not proven that he stayed one season too long. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
you know, I just don't want to see him out there. At some point, he's going to lose it. You know, I'm saying, you know, lose the ability to perform at his customary high level. Yeah. And that would be a shame if that's what people see, because you never saw it. And so why would you want to risk that happening? And that's what is the last thing that's etched in people's minds. Because as you said, even though they lost to the Rams in the playoffs this year, it was a remarkable comeback in the fourth quarter where they tied the game. And it was vintage Brady and a Brady-led team not giving up. Yeah, they fell short, but it was like, man, is this guy amazing or what, right? So it was the same thing. You know, it was in line with his his history and his performance over his career. But if we get to the point where Tom Brady is throwing interceptions and getting sacked and the team isn't as good and, you know, why yeah why it's almost I'm not like wishing when, it on him but i don't even know why he would risk that yeah it's almost like with Payne manning Payne yeah. manning i think it was his last year he couldn't even throw the ball it was just it was little floaters going out of there and he got benched he got hurt and then benched and then he came back for the playoffs for that run but that that was not good man it was not good to see Payne manning you know, Peyton freaking Manning, <laughs> you know, play that way. And I hope that doesn't happen with Brady. You want to see, like you said, the last memory I have of Brady is him coming back against the Rams and almost doing it to the point where I was rooting for Brady to win that game. And that does not happen with me. So to see him come back, you know, you hope he stays injury-free. You hope that they can protect him with the O-line. And they've lost some pieces on the O-line. So that'll be big. I know he got his center back. Which, by the way, I take everything good I said back about Brady. Because that center was supposed to sign with the New York Jets. And Brady coming back, <laughs> the Buccaneers signed him back. He went back because of that. Took less money and everything. But he was destined to go to the Jets. So, I don't like Tom Brady again, man. Forget it. Forget what I said. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> but he's he's back. And now it seems like Gronk is talking about you know, joining him once again. So um, the Tom Brady saga continues. Um, Russell Wilson, though, another quarterback uh, making news, um, traded from Seattle to Denver. Uh, What do you think about that? I think that's a situation with Wilson and Seattle that kind of had to end already i think the team the team and the quarterback you know they've been rumors for years now a couple years now of are they going to trade him are they going to get rid of him what's going to happen i think it's a good move denver has a very solid team they have some young pieces who are good they have some veterans who are really good obviously they made some some decent signings this offseason so far and i think bringing in an established quarterback and i don't think he's the greatest quarterback but he's a really really good quarterback and having him there bringing his leadership I think that's only going to elevate that team and they're going to be a team that's going to make a push for the playoffs. And I think he's going to have a great year with Denver. I do too. Um, I I think Russell Wilson is a winner. 
you yeah. know, he's he's just a winning player. And yeah, the time in Seattle had come to an end. Um, and, you know, Denver did not have a quarterback. Good defense. They actually picked up <laughs> my man, Randy Gregory from the <laughs> Cowboys, who um, agreed to a deal and then didn't like contract language in the Cowboys contract and said, I'm going to Denver. So he's out there. But, you know, Denver, I think, is, you know, an up-and-coming team. But having said that, they're still out there with the Raiders and with the Chiefs and with the Chargers. So it's not as if it's going to be some walk in the park out there. It's going to be tough. But, you know, I, I think Denver is definitely a better team now with Russell Wilson as as their quarterback. So um yeah, I mean that that to me is is going to be one of the biggest stories of the NFL season with Russell Wilson now uh in Denver. So yeah, some quarterbacks on the move. And of course Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay talking about a drama queen. Um Aaron oh Rodgers. Um I like Aaron Rodgers, but you know he does just have one Super Bowl. I mean, you know, we talk about Aaron Rodgers as if he's Tom Brady Jr. and he's not. Yeah, this is. I think he needs to win it this year. Listen, the path in the NFC with Wilson now gone, we don't know what's going to happen with New Orleans. The path in the NFC is much easier than the AFC. He has Tom Brady there. Obviously, he's back, and I'm sure that factored into Brady coming back. That the NFC has weakened. Aaron Rodgers needs to get it done this year. I'm putting him on notice. This year, he has to get it done. Yeah, and if he doesn't, I mean, I think he's going to – he's already – you know, there's a lot of whispers about him not being able to win the big games and how yeah. many NFC championships he's lost and, and divisional round games and so forth. And if he doesn't – if he do, if it's, if it's he doesn't win this year, if he doesn't, you know – go to a Super Bowl, he needs to win it, but he at least needs to get there. Um, I think it's going to continue. I think the whispers are going to get louder and people are going to say, okay, yeah, great, you know, individual seasons, MVPs and all the rest of it. But when you look back on it, he did a lot of regular season winning and not that much in the postseason. So, but he's back at some huge dollars um, with, the Green Bay Packers. A um, couple of things before we get on up out of here. Uh, ben Simmons still has not played for the Brooklyn Nets, and they're now saying he has some spine irritation mm-hmm. and they're hoping that he'll be ready to play for the playoffs. We'll see, see man. <laughs> I don't see it. He He hasn't played in over a year. Yep. I just don't see it. And, and you know, I would like to have seen him get out there, get some reps with, with you know, Kyrie, get some reps with, with KD, and also just get out there and play. Because, you know, what happens in the next big spot when Ben Simmons comes up short? You know what I mean? Either because he misses a shot, misses a free throw, makes a bad decision, right? What does he do, right? Does he, does it like, become deja vu for him 
yeah. uh, all over again, as Jokey Perra used to say. <laughs> right? does, it, does that happen for him? Um, I think he needs to get out there and play so that he can just get things out of his system. But look, if he's not mentally, we talked before, if he's not mentally ready to play, then don't play. And if his body, you know, if he has a spine irritation, he can't play. Okay, he can't play. But um, look, there's not that many regular season games left. And if he doesn't play in the regular season, I don't know how. I don't know how he makes his debut in the cauldron of the postseason. Yeah, I don't see that happening. If he if he doesn't play any regular season games. I'd find it very hard unless it's, I don't even know, unless it's like the Nets are up in a series and they haven't lost a game and you want to throw him in there in garbage time for the playoffs, maybe that, but I highly doubt it. If he doesn't get any regular season games in, you know, you assume he's not really practicing with the team, like getting, you know, playing the five on fives and stuff like that. So I don't know, man. I don't see him playing in this season. No, I don't. I don't either. Um, last thing, um, and, and this is just, you know, to keep it front of mind, um, and, and to not let it go. And that is Brittany Griner, um, still, uh, in custody in in a Russian jail somewhere. Um, don't know, you know, what's going on there. Um, obviously a lot of efforts are being made diplomatically to get her released and to get her back home. Um, but WNBA star Brittany Griner remains in Russia in jail on drug charges. Um, and, you know, there have been experts uh, who have dealt with these types of issues, you know, with American citizens being detained in other countries, including Russia. And they say they just don't like some of the things that they've seen including like the mugshot and the film footage at the airport and so forth. And it looks as if, you know, this is a situation where it's fabricated and trumped up and, you know, she's being used as a pawn. And so it's a very, very troubling situation, Rob, and we just want to continue to keep it out there um, because, um, you know, it's 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 something that that needs to change right she needs to be home and you know at some point you know there may be there may become a groundswell from various sectors of the public in in this regard right now it's not but um until she's back man we just want to keep it front of mind that she is still in custody absolutely and it's like you said it's good that we continue to mention it. Um, people continue out there in social media mentioning it and keeping it front and center because it's scary stuff. Whatever she's going through is it's terrifying, and we just hope that she can get home soon and the U.S. does whatever is necessary to get her home ASAP. So, yeah, continue. Everyone continue posting it, talking about it. Don't let it, you know, disappear. That's right. That's right. And we're going to keep our eye on it until she's back. Um, but, but okay, brother, this is, uh, that's it for us for this edition. We'll be back next week. Um, 
sure there will be more baseball signings. Um, there'll be some other developments perhaps uh, on the New York City mandate front. And uh, we'll see what's going on uh, with basketball as it continues to make its way toward the playoffs. Then the other thing too that we didn't talk about, but we can you know certainly touch on it next week is March Madness, which is kicking off both the NCAA men's and NCAA women's uh, college basketball tournaments are underway. And so um, there's a lot of exciting uh, basketball, both college and pro ahead of us. And then, of course, for you, MLB baseball. Right. So yeah. uh, a lot is a lot is certainly going on. So we're going to come back next week, Rob, and, you know, we'll we'll catch up on everything the latest signings the latest this the latest that but we'll be right uh in the thick of it and look forward to doing that again next week with you baseball is back baby yes it is and we'll be back next week with another edition of sports 360.